Today, I've really looked forward to uh, speaking with you about uh, Israel at 60 as God's continuing miracle. Uh, it's been a great year, all kinds of wonderful opportunities this past year in terms of Christians connecting with Israel at 60 events all over the United States, I'm sure other places in the world as well. But many synagogues, many Jewish community centers, all of them, I'm sure, had programs throughout the year. There were celebrations, there were rallies, there were events, uh, all kinds of things. Uh, the Embassy of Israel in, in D.C. sponsored events, the Consulate of Israel in Philadelphia and other consulates, there are probably a half dozen of them around the country, sponsored events as well. And uh, I was just thrilled to see uh, at points Christians uh, getting deeply involved. We were down uh, supporting the Israel at 60 celebration in Margate, New Jersey. This is uh, the New Jersey seashore. Communities of Atlantic City, Margate, Ventnor, Longport, and all the way down to Cape May. They came together in a massive parade and rally, and Christians showed up. Churches that put signs out, maybe your church, happy birthday, Israel. Uh, we salute Israel at 60. Uh, I saw some of those signs myself, and it was just thrilling. There were two key events 60 years ago, and the first key event happened November 29, 1947, when the United Nations, its International Inquiry Commission, proposed a partition of Palestine into two independent states, one Arab, one Jewish. Israel didn't care for the boundaries of that partition plan, but Israel accepted it and said, we will abide by it. Britain was not very cooperative. Britain had been in Palestine under the British mandate for Palestine, occupying Palestine for quite a number of years. And uh, uh, Britain was not cooperative and um, said that they would, by May 15 of the following year, withdraw all their troops from, uh, from what was then known as, as Palestine. And so what happened was this. The Jewish and Zionist leaders accepted that partition plan and the same plan which gave the Arabs a state was rejected by the Arab leaders and war broke out one day after the UN vote, November 30th. And uh, in spite of the fact that uh, uh, Israel had not much of an, an army at all, uh, they suffered uh, heavy losses as an Arab liberation army was put together um, and, and was, was very aggressive, trying to destroy uh, the Jewish people there, uh, Israel eventually prevailed. Now, the next important date is almost six months later because it was on May 14, 1948, that David, David Ben-Gurion, the Zionist leader, the leader of Israel and the Jewish people, as the British mandate was ending and Britain was withdrawing his, uh, its troops, he declared on May 14, 1948, the establishment of the modern state of Israel. If you were with, on tour with us next month, you would go as we will be in one month at Independence Hall in Tel Aviv. We will be at the site of the establishment of the modern state of Israel, where David Ben-Gurion spoke and from which the broadcast went uh, to the world 
establishing that state and declaring the state. But um, something else happened right then, too, because the Arab world was not very pleased with that development. And so five Arab armies, well-equipped, invaded Israel. From the south, it was Egypt. From the east, it was Lebanon. Uh, From the east also, and northeast, it was Syria. From the north, it was Iraq, interestingly enough. And also from the north, it was Lebanon. They all invaded. Israel suffered heavy losses, but eventually prevailed. But eventually prevailed. And as I think back to the uh, tremendous differences between Israel 1948 and Israel today, it's just absolutely striking. 1948, uh, a Jewish population of probably 600,000. Today, a Jewish population in Israel of 5.5 million. The economy, even in the 20 years I've been going to Israel, I've seen massive changes in the economy of Israel. But then, 1948, it was largely agricultural. Um, Inflation was unbelievable, and unemployment was unbelievably high. Uh, Today, its its economy is the showcase of the Middle East. It is technology-based. Unemployment is way down. Uh, Inflation is way down. And um, there are just many, many... um, Israel's a leader in commerce and in many, many fields of endeavor and business. The military. Israel's fighters back then in 48 were not exactly a ragtag. It wasn't exactly a ragtag situation, but they certainly were uh, very under-equipped. Today, uh, Israel's military superiority, highly equipped, nuclear capacity. In fact, we, we know from history that their uh, nuclear capacity dates back before 1973 because Golda Meir was about ready um, to, uh, to bomb the Arab capitals in order to save the state of Israel when they were invaded in 1973 when the United States under Richard Nixon stepped in and provided the necessary military resources that Israel would be able to protect the Jewish state by conventional warfare. But so much has changed. How the people dress, how they look, the the cars they're driving, the homes they live in, Israel at 60. And we say, well, what is it that made the difference? And we know that what made the difference is the promises of God. And that Israel today is, is there because of God's promises. And so, as Jews around the world were celebrating Israel at 60, particularly throughout the United States, certainly in Israel, many Christians were joining in those same celebrations because we understand as believers that Israel has eternal significance springing forth from the Bible as the Word of God. It is not simply just another country The Jewish people are not simply just another ethnic group, but we are seeing God's promises being fulfilled. Those promises are rooted in, as we've seen in this conference, God's covenant with Abraham of Genesis chapter 12, as we've seen here this morning. The birth of a people, the Jewish people, not only sons of Abraham, 
But Genesis chapter 17, um, sons of Isaac, uh, not only sons of Isaac, but Genesis chapter 28 of Jacob as well. So the birth of a people, um, Abraham, father, through Isaac, uh, through, uh, through Jacob as well, and that this promise that God has given is a forever promise, um, Genesis chapter 13. And one of the texts I really like to use for that is to show that the promises uh, to Israel are permanent and forever is also Psalm 105, where terms are used such as forever promise, everlasting covenant. That's what this is about. And the birth of a people, the promise of a specific land, Genesis chapter 15, and it's huge. It goes from the south, the river of Egypt, to the Euphrates River in the north. And, um, but someday it will all be the possession of Israel. And, of course, the, the promise of a unique people that would be a blessing to the entire world, uh, not just a parenthesis in history, but a blessing to the entire world. Well... We've already seen uh, through the messages this morning of how the big dramas of the world are unfolding uh, through uh, Israel. And, um, and we have personally, have we not, experienced uh, so many blessings because of the Jewish people. And, and, and what this has to do with our Christian faith through our Messiah, the Word of God, uh, all of this, I think there's a very key text in Galatians chapter 3. Uh, verse 8, very fascinating, and it says, And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, quote, In you all the nations shall be blessed. So this same Abrahamic covenant of Genesis chapter 12 is linked in an inseparable way with the very gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And yes, uh, we have been so blessed with a book, uh, with our Savior. And um, as we think about the landscape of history, and we think about how um, not only, not only uh, have the Jewish people been born of a miracle? And they, and they certainly well, were born of a miracle because just think about it. The promise is given to Abraham, and uh, Abraham and, uh, and, and Sarah did what? They, they laughed. They said, we're long past this stuff of a, of a promised son. Uh, and, and they laughed, and, and yet uh, born of a miracle. Um, not only that, but preserved by God's miracle. Prior to the time of Christ, the Assyrians um, could not get, a, get rid of Israel by, by captivity. The Babylonians could not get rid of Israel by captivity. The Romans couldn't destroy Israel and the Jewish people by marching on Jerusalem. Um, the, um, uh, the worldwide scattering and, of the Jewish people, and it's real, I, you know, I've been a number of places in the world where you wouldn't expect Jewish people, and they are there. The worldwide scattering of the Jewish people is, is real. The fact that of the preserved identity of their being Jewish is a miracle in itself. Worldwide scattering couldn't get rid of them. 
Hitler and the Nazis <laughs> couldn't get rid of them. And Mahmoud Ahmadinejad will not be able to get rid of them either because of God's promises. Well, they've been restored by, um, by God's miracle, 1948. And so Israel faces the future. Israel's a vibrant place. It's a bustling kind of uh, situation, Tel Aviv, Jerusalem, Tiberias, everywhere we go throughout the land. But there's one place in Israel that's very hushed, Sderot, S-D-E-R-O-T, pronounced Sderot, in the south, next to Gaza. 7,000 rockets have come onto Sderot in recent years, most of them since Israel's troops were withdrawn from the Gaza Strip. Can you imagine? You can't imagine that. They've fallen in schoolyards, on homes, in the streets, all over. But the people of Sterut are not very audible like the rest of Israel. And the reason is they have one ear attuned to the loudspeakers throughout that community of probably uh, maybe 20 to 30,000 Jewish people, 8,000 children. And they're waiting for two words translated into English, code red. And code red means a rocket's on its way. And you have 15 to 20 seconds to get to your shelter before it explodes. Um, that's a hushed community. Um, children aren't out playing in the streets, uh, which would be normal everywhere else. It's very difficult. So whether it's uh, Hamas in the south, whether it's Hezbollah in the north, um, again, in October, one month from our conference, as we go to Israel, we will be going up north, we'll be going to Kibbutz Mizgavam, which is on a high perch, looking down on the towns of Lebanon. And we will be addressed by a member of the Northern Command of Israel. It's a dramatic experience. It is so dramatic that our last trip last October, and this was the first full day of touring that we were there, had one of the participants say, Bill, if we do nothing else in Israel, this experience alone was worth the price of the trip. There we are, looking literally down on the towns of southern Lebanon, addressed by a member of the Northern Command of Israel. And he'll tell us, I'm sure, this year what he told us last year and what we were told the year before. Look out, see the towns, it looks quiet and nice. It's all Hezbollah. It's all a rearmed Hezbollah by now in southern Lebanon. So the problems are, uh, are immense. Iran, um, some of the direct statements that Ahmadinejad is making, um, you know, just in recent months, this terrorist and criminal state, Allah Israel, um, will, um, uh, will be soon swept away. Another comment. It would be futile to hold a birthday ceremony, that's Israel at 60, for something which is already dead. And then he called Israel a rotten and stinking corpse. More recently, he said, quote, I must announce that the Zionist regime, Israel, with a 60-year record of genocide and so on, is about to die 
and will soon be erased from the geographical scene. And finally, he said this, with the appearance of the promised Savior, that's the Mahdi of radical Islam, and his companions such as Jesus Christ. So in this theology, Jesus Christ becomes a companion of the Mahdi, the Islamic Messiah. Tyranny will soon be eradicated in the world. And so that's where uh, things are going, unfortunately. And yet we know that Israel today is God's continuing uh, miracle. And um, uh, life in, in modern Israel is, is, is something to behold. It's, it's, a, it's quite a paradox between the antiquity of the biblical sites and the um, um, modern state of Israel. So modern, for example, um, I have a... Um, one of those transponders in my car by which uh, it's called, what, Easy Pass, where you can, or Speed Pass, Easy Pass, by which you can go through the toll booths automatically and then you get a bill once a month or twice a month or they hit your credit card or whatever. So there's a new Route 6 in Israel. It's a toll road. And so uh, we're going down Route 6. I knew it was a toll road. I see no toll booths. I see no nothing. And uh, I said, what about the toll? Oh, didn't you know? Um, our license tag has been pictured. We'll get a bill in the mail. It's that simple. You just drive. There's no, no transponders and sending away, and then the batteries ran out and all this kind of stuff. So the technology and the things that are going on, leading economy in the Middle East, there are now 100 Israeli companies, second largest uh, outside of the United States companies of any country in the world, uh, um, the next largest is Canada, Canadian companies on our exchanges, but over 100 Israeli companies listed on our three major exchanges. And when Warren Buffett, who, uh, and, and you've heard that name and you know him as a great uh, financier, uh, investor, uh, industrialist, and all the rest, when he um, had for, for years... Uh, said, I will never invest uh, majorly in a foreign company. It's too risky. No foreign country. None. Recently made a $4 billion cash, 80% investment in an Israeli company. He saw the opportunity. You talk about, you know, Israelis are by and large very secular. Menno has to wrestle with a highly religious group uh, that is throughout Israel, but especially in, in Jerusalem. And they just, uh, many times, just do not see the Lord's blessing. Technology, major companies in the world settling there. The desert blooming is another thing that uh, we've watched. It's just a, there's a prophecy in Isaiah, chapter 35, verse 1, that talks about the desert blooming and as a rose. It mentions the rose. I found out recently <laughs> that... Um, Flowers are a major export of Israel. And Israel is the number one exporter of roses in the world. Isaiah chapter 35. So our conclusion is this. How can we explain Israel at 60? Um, so few natural resources uh, so many obstacles and problems and internal security and external threats and all. It's not explained by uh, a vote of the United Nations. 
Uh, it's not explained by the Declaration of Independence of Israel or advanced technology or high-tech or a wonderful military and, and all the rest, support from the United States. All these things have had a role. In my opinion, uh, that uh, where is the United States in prophecy? To me, it's been so clear. The United States in prophecy in recent decades, since 1948 particularly, has been as a protector of Israel, that God has used uh, this country in that way and its support. And although all of those things could be true, they don't explain the real situation that Israel at 60 can only really be explained as fulfillment of the promises of God that we have in our Bibles. And that's how we explain Israel at 60.